Hey everybody, it is Thursday, December 12th, 2019, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Isolike, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. On today's episode, I wanted to touch on, well, at least one-ish automotive news stories, and that is, of course, the announcement of the 2021 Chevrolet Tahoe and Chevrolet Suburban. Uh, A little bit of a thought exercise about powertrains regarding, uh, what do you want to call them, Uh, kit cars, I guess. Factory 5 has a new kit car, supercar, and gigantic air quotes being released in 2020. And it got me thinking about what kind of powertrains I'd want to use if I was building my own kit car. Uh, So maybe some weird thought exercises to come out of that. And then last up, uh, just some kind of roundabout comments, I guess, kind of tied back around to the Tahoe and Suburban. Uh, Cars.com and MotorWeek just did a uh, three-row SUV comparison test. I just want to touch on some of those results uh, to just kind of see where things are at in that segment. It is a very hot segment. It's one I definitely feel like I talk about a lot, but uh, what the conclusions are that they come down to are basically what I've been talking about for a while. So anyway, right after the bump, we'll talk about some car news. So just the other day, the wraps were pulled off the 2021 Chevrolet Tahoe and Chevrolet Suburban. Uh, These perennial bestsellers in the full-size SUV segment are getting a long-due refresh, uh, putting themselves on top of the new chassis that sits beneath uh, the Silverado and Sierra that have been out for almost two years now. Uh, Is it a shocking departure from what we've already seen? Uh, No, I would say that kind of like how the pickup trucks were a general evolution of what was already available, This new Tahoe and Suburban, I feel like, are general evolutions of what's already currently available, and most of that is because the powertrains, generally speaking, aren't being changed a whole lot. The standard engine on both models is going to be the 5.3 liter V8 that's been around pretty much forever. There will be an optional 6.2 liter V8, uh, but GM did make some breaking news, I guess, uh, kind of a surprise. Uh, They will be offering the three liter straight six turbo diesel from the Silverado and Sierra pickup trucks uh, as an option in 2021 as well. Uh, That new diesel will pack in like over 400 pound feet of torque. It's a little bit down on horsepower compared to the 5.3 liter V8, but you're going to get a lot more towing capability. You're going to get a lot more fuel economy. Uh, And I think generally that's probably going to be the engine to get if you're willing to pay the premium price. Uh, having, well, I don't want to say owned, but my dad and my grandfather having owned many a Silverado, Tahoe, Avalanche, whatever, with the 5.3 liter V8, that's still a very, very good engine. Uh, and matched to the new 10-speed automatic that's going behind everything, uh, I think you're really going to get a lot of good power usage out of all of these models. Uh, general shape of the vehicles, I don't really feel like is a huge departure. Again, if you know what tends to happen when a Silverado becomes a Tahoe or a Suburban, uh, you tend to get an idea of what the exterior is going to look like. Uh, the Tahoe is adapting the front end on the Silverado in a way that is a little more subdued. It's not quite extreme. Uh, I have a feeling that the Tahoe front end is probably going to be adapted to the pickup trucks in the next year or two. Uh, but where the big change is coming is in the interior design. Uh, The Tahoe and Suburban are getting a standard 10-inch touchscreen on every model. Uh, Whether you're down to the bare-bones LS or up to the top trim high country, uh, 
it's got a really nice, fresh look that really looks premium. And I think that's really kind of the main thing is that Chevrolet seems to be delivering on the idea that when you're spending 50 plus thousand dollars on a full size uh, SUV like this, uh, it should look like it costs $50,000. And I'm pretty excited about the design elements that GM's putting into this interior. That being said, again, going back to the exterior, uh, it's really kind of hit and miss for me on whether it's successful or not. Uh, certain trim levels, like the High Country, I think look really good in the flesh. Uh, other ones, like the Z71, at least under the lights and some of the photos that they were showing, not quite as successful. Uh, I referred to the front grille as kind of a uh, blood eagle. Uh, it looks like it has like been something flayed across the front. Uh, it just looks strange. I don't know. And again, it might be one of those vehicles. Uh, GM's been doing this a lot lately where you need to see it in person uh, to get an idea for it instead of seeing just pictures online. Now, I did mention the high country trim level that will be coming to the Tahoe and Suburban for the 2021 model year. Uh, historically, the high country has been only available on the Chevrolet pickup trucks. Uh, the high country is going to kind of be like the Denali type uh, equivalent for Chevrolet. Uh, really high luxury, high quality materials, uh, a lot more uh, sophistication and design and other soft touch and natural elements inside the interior. Uh, they're also going to be breaking out the Z71 as its own official model uh, within that lineup. So I think it's going to be uh, LS, LT, LTZ. There's going to be an RST again, and then the uh, Z71 in the high country. So they're basically they're going to be making a Tahoe and a Suburban for just about everyone. Uh, all in general, all encompassing of the vehicle as well. Size is up a little bit compared to the previous model. Uh, GM is baking a lot of extra space into the second and third row seats. Uh, GM is saying that they've got the biggest rear seat space uh, by like more than an inch compared to the Ford Expedition. Uh, it's significantly larger than the Dodge Durango. Uh, based on some of the videos and photos that I've seen online, you know, people who are well over six foot can sit comfortably in the third row, which is a good thing to have. Uh, but I, at least for me, I know a lot of people who have Tahoes and they never use the third row. So in the end, that only just ends up growing the cargo capacity behind the second row seats, which of course is always a good thing as well, because I never really quite felt like the Tahoe had as much space as what it should have. Now, one of the other interesting elements with this chassis is that to grow that extra space in the back, GM redesigned the rear suspension of the Tahoe, uh, both the Tahoe and the Suburban will have an independent rear suspension that will dramatically uh, increase uh, probably handling characteristics, that's a safe bet, but also uh, ride quality. Uh, these things are going to be much more comfortable out on the road. They're also making available an air suspension on these uh, trucks. I believe it's only going to be available on the High Country and the Z71. I might be mistaken there, uh, but the air suspension is going to be in addition to the Magna Ride shocks. Uh, so this thing's going to be a pretty serene highway cruiser. Uh, having a family member who has a current generation Tahoe that is loaded to the gills with the Magna Ride suspension, uh, top trim level LTZ, all that stuff, all the bells and whistles. Uh, I have a feeling that a high country Tahoe is really going to speak to him in some sense, I would guess. Uh, but 
again, you know, is it enough where if you've got maybe a 2018 Tahoe, 2017 Tahoe, is this going to be enough to jump into a new one right away? I'm not entirely convinced. On the one hand, I really like the Tahoe a lot. I, I always have. It's always looked good. They've driven quite well. Uh, they haven't quite aged as well technology-wise as what I would have thought that they would. Uh, but this new ho- new Tahoe seems extremely competent, extremely competitive, uh, and I'm excited to see what it ends up doing once it ends up hitting the streets. Uh, all said, Chevrolet isn't announcing anything in terms of price. They aren't announcing anything in terms of fuel economy, uh, but it's a safe bet that these things will probably start right around $50,000 like the current Tahoes do. Suburbans, I don't know where they are. They're way off in the distance somewhere price-wise. Uh, but knowing that my family member purchased his Tahoe a couple of years ago for north of $70,000, uh, there's a good chance that a high country Tahoe with the air suspension is probably going to be knocking on the door of $80,000, if not more, uh, later in 2020 when these arrive. It sounds like it's going to be mid-summer. Now, kind of an interesting aside to this story, I guess we're going to kind of jump into the last thing I talked about up at the top of the show, is that, uh, well, there's a lot of three-row SUVs and crossovers out there today, and one of the things that kept ringing in my head, especially when I think about how Tahoe's start at $50,000, is are they worth the money? Uh, I guess it really kind of depends on your needs. Uh, but, uh, cars.com and MotorWeek just did their big three row crossover, uh, comparison test. Uh, they had things like the Honda Pilot, the Subaru Ascent, uh, the Kia Telluride, the Hyundai Palisade, uh, the Volkswagen Atlas, uh, and the Chevy Traverse, uh, all, oh, and the Ford Explorer. They were all kind of gathered together and they rated the cars in really different ways on, you know, chassis dynamics, uh, outright performance, fuel economy, build quality, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the overall takeaway is while this is an extremely competitive segment, it largely depends on what you're looking for. If whether or not you feel like you're going to be getting your money's worth. Uh, they mentioned the Ford Explorer that they had cost well over $50,000 with the EcoBoost or EcoBoost V6, the uh, 10-speed automatic, uh, the four-wheel drive system, uh, but the build quality just wasn't there. The overall execution of the vehicle just wasn't there. As much as it was fun to drive, uh, it probably wouldn't be very good to own over any significant amount of time. Uh, and on the flip side, something like the Hyundai Palisade that they had uh, was pretty much loaded to the gills and maxed out at $47,000. Uh, those are built in South Korea and shipped to the United States, and they said that that the build quality and refinement on that vehicle is noticeably better than anything else in the category. I would kind of look at other models in that lineup, and like the Honda Pilot is an example, where the Honda Pilot has a truly sophisticated and really good four-wheel drive system. So if you live in an area with inclement weather, that might be a big plus to get that one versus some of the other vehicles in the lineup. But bringing it back to the Tahoe specifically... When the Tahoe starts at $50,000, and yes, you do get a pretty decent number of standard features, there's still going to be a lot of things that are going to be missing compared to something like the Hyundai Palisade. And while the Palisade is technically a smaller crossover compared to a Tahoe, 
why would you spend that much money on a Tahoe to start? I, I, it's just something I'm going to have to wrestle with and try to wrap my brain around. The best thing I could come up with is the Tahoe is significantly more capable when it comes to towing and hauling uh, both people and equipment and other things. Uh, the Tahoe is definitely going to be a more robust vehicle off-road, especially if you're ticking the Z71 option box. Uh, but in the end, are you getting more for your money with the Chevy versus the Hyundai? And I would genuinely argue no, because most people who drive Tahoes and you know, I'm making a bit of a jump here. They're driving them by themselves. They don't need that much space. They don't need that poor of fuel economy. They don't need all of that capability nine days out of 10. And I suppose you should buy a vehicle that fits your needs when you need it. But man, I just, a fully loaded Palisade versus a base trim level Tahoe, I'd much rather just get the damn Hyundai. And yeah, it's a little bit smaller, and yeah, it's a little less capable overall, but man, it's going to be a lot nicer car. And I think given the problems that GM has had quality-wise with the Tahoe over the past decade or so, the Hyundai is probably going to be a little more reliable too. So, We'll see what happens there, but it's definitely interesting to consider. Uh, this segment is hot. Tahoes are going in hot, uh, and they're sticking to the body-on-frame setup. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these sell. Uh, again, I guess not to really tie this to anything else necessarily. It's kind of a thread as I go about this thing. There was another article that was posted today. I think it was on Jalopnik, where they were talking about uh, how GM is betting a lot on the Tahoe and the Suburban and to a greater extent, the Yukon and the Yukon XL, uh, that these vehicles are going to drive a ton of profit into their bottom line for them to better be able to develop uh, EVs and other uh, electric-assisted vehicles within the General Motors portfolio. Uh, this is kind of the same thing that people argue about with Porsche, where Porsche sells uh, a bazillion, uh, you know, Cayennes and Macans and Panameras to fund the racing program, to fund the development of cars like the uh, 918, things like that. And there is some truth to that. And it really sucks, at least in the case of GM, that they're selling these horribly inefficient, uh, polluting vehicles that hog up tons of space on the road and never get used for what they're capable for. And that's going to hopefully make it so we can buy an electric Malibu in a couple of years. And whether or not GM actually ends up delivering on any of that, I think is anyone's guess at this point. Uh, of all of the American automakers, uh, GM is maybe the most EV-friendly brand while also being the least EV friendly. I think Ford is the only one who's kind of pointing uh, a finger into the air and making a call for a shot that they're going to take. Uh, Fiat Chrysler, God knows what the hell they're doing right now. Uh, hopefully PSA gets them sorted out. But GM's just kind of, huh, you know, they, they have the Volt. They have the Bolt. Uh, there's probably a new Bolt crossover type thing coming out next year, the year after. Uh, but nothing really tangible right now. And you know, maybe the Tahoe does well and they can fund these projects and maybe it doesn't do well and they just kind of shrug and keep moving forward with whatever the hell else it is that they think they're going to do. But uh, these are important vehicles in a roundabout way and it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know. Again, 
whether it's the money for how expensive they are or whether it's the environmental factor for what they're going to do afterwards, uh, GM needs to sell a few of these to uh, get forward in the future. So, as I kind of touched on at the top, a little bit about a kit car that kind of got my head thinking about some weird things as we head into 2020 and all of the changes with the idea of performance uh, performance automobiles. And Factory 5 just announced a new supercar kit that you can buy called the F9R. The prototype kit had a V12 hand-built engine with 700 horsepower, uh, which would probably be quite expensive to source directly from Factory 5. Uh, but they're giving you the opportunity to choose either a GM or a Ford V8 as a potential option, which I'm sure they in of themselves are going to be uh, very customizable to suit your needs. Uh, this kit car looks great, by the way. Uh, it, it looks like a poor man's Aston Martin Valkyrie. Uh, I'd definitely be interested to see what this car is going to end up being capable of once it arrives. But uh, Factory 5 is a whole kit car company. Uh, they do a lot of really great work. But what got me thinking was what kind of powertrains are best for kit cars uh, moving forward? You know, the GM small block, the Ford small block, you know, they're always going to be good choices because they're readily available. Parts are everywhere uh, and they're very dependable uh, things. You know, GM LS V8 fits in seemingly everything at this point, uh, you know, makes at least 300 horsepower, uh, actually gets pretty good gas mileage if you drive it nicely. Uh, and in the end, you know, they're going to run, uh, regardless of what you do to them. And is that going to be enough going into the future? Uh, I was trying to think of some different engines and powertrain combinations that I would want to put in a kit car if I was building my own. And, uh, I've, had some weird results, to say the least. Uh, so thinking strictly of, let's say, uh, a Cobra kit car, you know, maybe you get one of the old, uh, the older vintage style AC body kits uh, that you can do instead of the more modern Shelby style ones. Uh, and you go, I want to do something that's not a V8. You know, what do you, what do you go for? Uh, the first engine that I that came to mind that I always talk about, of course, is the GM 2.7 liter turbo engine. Uh, that engine I don't think is going to be put into a crate option anytime soon, uh, but it would definitely be cool in some kind of application like that, just for the amount of torque that it would have. Uh, that thing would probably rip in a way that maybe isn't particularly fast outright. It's not an engine that's designed to rev all that much. Uh, that's why that engine probably be much better suited to uh, a resto mod build of like an old like Bonneville Safari or something like that. Uh, but still an interesting idea. Now on the flip side of that, I go Ford if they sold a 2.3 liter EcoBoost turbo kit engine, you know, the same one that's in the Focus RS, the current Mustang. That could be an interesting Cobra powertrain. Uh, that's got over 300 horsepower, uh, can very clearly be uh, matched up to a manual or an automatic gearbox. Uh, that one's going to have a boatload of torque down low. It can rev pretty well. Overall, not a bad choice to go for, but is it going to be that much better than a cheap Ford overhead valve V8? Again, that kind of depends, I think, on what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish uh, with your overall build. 
you could always look to outside sources as well. Uh, there's definitely options from, you know, Nissan now that they're doing more things with the RB26 uh, with different kind of parts continuation services and things like that. I don't know if that would necessarily be a fantastic choice for a Cobra kit car, but it would at least be an interesting one. Uh, just the same, you know, a Honda K engine from a, uh, from a, uh, what do you call it? An S2000, I think would be good, but then it's like, well, why wouldn't you just buy an S2000? Uh, there's a lot of weird choices out there, but I think the one that's going to be getting a lot more attention as we move forward in the next couple of years are definitely going to be electric engines, motors, batteries. Uh, however, this is going to work. Uh, there was a post on Twitter the other day about a new uh, mini kit car that had an electric uh, motor, like a 200 kilowatt electric motor, with a pretty decently sized battery. I think it was a 30 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, not a screamer in terms of outright performance, uh, but would probably still be pretty fun to drive and probably would actually be fairly efficient. Uh, that's a good way to drive a classic car without many of the classic car problems with the carburetors, with the fuel delivery system, with uh, oil pumps and so many other things leaking all the time constantly. Uh, this could be a good way to go. And it got me thinking about a Cobra with an electric motor uh, and a battery in it. And it got me weirdly excited. Uh, something like that speeding along at a pretty rapid pace uh, would be an interesting outcome altogether. And I, I, I have to wonder if at some point in time we're going to see something like that from Factory 5 uh, just because that seems to be the future that we're heading towards. And if they could do it for relatively cheap, uh, I imagine it would actually be relatively easy to put together uh, without all of the gunk that comes with a petrol engine in one of those things. So we'll keep an eye out. We'll see what happens in the coming SEMA years. GM, GM of course, had an electric pickup truck concept this year at SEMA. Uh, so that does make me wonder if that electric powertrain stuff will start filtering into other projects as we move forward. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Isalake, and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Y-S-S-M-A-N, and you can follow along with episodes of this show at anchor.fm slash salvage title. We do host this podcast on a wide variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Uh, so if you like what you hear, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, give us a rating uh, if you're on a platform that asks for that. And uh, if you think somebody else might be interested in it, feel free to share. That'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, in other news, guys, well, we're kind of in that zone. I touched on it a while ago. It's kind of piece by piece where the news is at. Uh, there was a an, uh, a launch event for the Honda, or not Honda, oh my gosh, the Toyota Highlander uh, earlier this week uh, with some interesting conclusions to be drawn from it. The new Highlander is actually a very good crossover, apparently. Uh, driving impressions are still embargoed for a while, but I have to say I'm pretty impressed with the new Highlander well, overall, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's tough to say from just the internet hundreds of miles away from where the launch event was uh, in Texas. But uh, definitely interested to see what that turns out to look like in person uh, as the car show season might start to kick off here in the Midwest uh, in the next couple of weeks. 
Uh, so with all that in mind, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope that you have a safe and wonderful weekend. And uh, if news breaks, if there's something interesting to talk about, uh, we'll see you very soon on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. See you then.